Hi, Hendrik. Um, welcome to the Bogoslavsky and Co. episode podcast. I'm very excited to speak to you today. Um, so to give some background to our listeners, Hendrik and I met at pricecheck.co.za. This was years ago, and in the time, it was South Africa's largest price and product comparison website. Is this still the case? As far as I know, yes. Okay, but you no longer work there. Uh, no. So in 2017, in March, um, uh, essentially, um, I decided I needed to move on, um, not based on any decision, but um, I had some health, I had some health issues that needed to be resolved. So I left the business and decided to follow a friend of mine to become a solo entrepreneur. Um, and I'm speaking <laughs> to that person today. And um, I'll give you a chance to talk about your background. But um, I first wanted to say that we we worked together, I think, in 2010. And then we stayed in touch over email as you became my go-to person for any information regarding e-commerce, digital, and advice when GoDaddy did that unauthorized transfer of one of my domains. Do you remember that? I emailed you all panicked. <laughs> I still don't know what happened. Um, so now that brings us to your background. Can you talk a little bit about your career in digital and e-commerce? So I think... Uh, I think the easiest way is to start how this all started. So um, I um, was a person in another, in a, in a previous life, I used to work in professional sports um, and essentially learned that I was hitting a ceiling. Um, I decided to go overseas like most young South Africans um, I worked for six months in the U.S. for a Fortune 100 company, which taught me a bunch of lessons. Um, I ended up getting sick in America, which is an, a story for a completely another day. Oh, no. And um, essentially came home, um, spent two years between like 30 plus doctors, got a solution, went back to school um, and Essentially, I had a career change. Um, and then, as most South Africans can say, then the big challenge starts finding work. Um, I then answered a Gumtree ad for a startup that was looking for folks to do content because I've written my whole life. From school, I used to do the school newspaper and all kinds of stuff. And then I realized that I needed to essentially get a foot in the door. Um, so what I did was I answered a bunch of country ads like we most of us do, but no, nobody wants to really admit. Um, and then I got to an interview. Um, and then as luck would have it, um, I essentially started at Brostrick. Um, I worked at Brostrick for eight and a half years, um, got to see the world. Um, and <sighs> what was your position at price check? So my position at price check. It's, it's, it varied across the years, but it started originally as a content editor, essentially helping the internal team create high-quality content to help people to make decisions. Um, I still think Yeah, that, one of our mutual friends was on that team, Nicole Israel. Yes. Um, I remember she only had good things to say about you as her manager. 
Yeah, look, I think what's interesting is is that what we what we learn over time is that we the digital space in South Africa is really small. While people will work in different businesses, everybody knows one another. So um I I worked at Project, did the content thing, um essentially worked myself up into a I'd say a pretty senior position where I was responsible for millions of products, consumer reviews, all kinds of stuff. Um, but I think also what I learned as part of that was that as I was, as our office was in Cape Town, um, I still believe that I'm one of the few persons on the African continent that worked for an e-commerce business that was acquired twice and sold <laughs> once. So that's just, that's just <laughs> The point is, I remember, yeah, the behind the scenes of all of that. Yes. But let's not get too much into that. Yes. So, yes. so the point is, is that, um, I, I, while well, in 2015, um, I made the decision to start my own little social network. I didn't know it at the time. So, I started traveling to the US, um, to essentially understand what's going on in e-commerce in in America, but also. For me to understand my job, you essentially become a trend hunter. So my digital experience is is all result, all uh, related to commerce, content, um, conversion rates, all the things that are really important that we all supposed to spend lots of time on. But sadly, in most cases, it's it doesn't get the attention. So um, after the Whilst we were, whilst I worked for Pricecheck, we opened an office in Nigeria. So um, I, I, I also learned about Africa and the opportunity and the challenges that it's provide. Um, and I travelled widely, um, India, Turkey, not for work, but in a private capacity. Because I think as a as a knowledge worker, you learn that, as I said, you're a trend hunter, but also to understand what goes on. And in other parts of the world, you become more attuned to what can come in the future, but also learning from others' mistakes. Because I still do believe that in digital, we all make the mistake that we sit in our high horses and we believe that you can't learn from anybody else. You don't want to speak to people about your errors because you, you don't want to sound like a weakling. But the point is, is that when you travel to places like Seattle, San Francisco, Istanbul, Nigeria, there's a bunch of cities in the world that you, I can mention. You you become amazed at how easy people share lessons. So that for me was part but of that's what I can interrupt. That's what I always found about you. I've literally spent it's been years, and like at least three or four times a year, I will email you a tech or e-commerce question, and you are so ready to help. Yeah, but but Mariana, as I said, I I was lucky in the sense that I have mentors in a few parts of the world, and all of these folks have all essentially, we, we all agree and we live by the, the pay it forward society in the sense that everybody was an, a novice at some point in your life, and I think it's unfair and I think it's unwise to not be willing to help uh, others. So if you are able to help people, whether that be through introductions, whether that through, whether that is through answering a question, whether that is to, you know, leverage your network to 
help them with whatever. I think you are not, you're doing yourself a disservice, but also you're essentially arming your friendships because people, we all have networks and essentially we become the person that people ask the question to. I get an enormous amount of emails from people all over the world because yeah, I have a well, well, of an e-commerce expert, I think of you. Your blog was the perfect e-commerce resource for pretty much anyone interested in e-commerce. Well, I think, so what happened was a colleague um, at Naspers essentially said that in 2015, you know, why am I hiding my knowledge and not sharing it with the world? So what I did was I started a newsletter um, and the newsletter, essentially, it's, it's very simple. It's called Hendrix Newsletter and what I do is, I, as I read widely, um, I basically try, try to help folks understand what, what goes on. Because the simple truth is, Marianne, and you know this yourself, while we work 95 or no, not real 95 because we have internet jobs, the world is evolving. But also every announcement that these large corporates make, whether it be Amazon, Facebook, Google, whatever, you have to be aware of that announcement because, wait for it, that announcement has the ability to make or break your business. A simple example. Past week, uh, Google announced that they are now doing something funky with their fashion results. Yesterday, um, I got a query from a friend who works at a fashion, large fashion company in Europe saying, okay, so we've been approached, do I do this, yes or no? I won't, I won't, I'm not going to share the answer that I provided. But the point is, is that you, because I read widely, essentially I started to, to figure out that for me to be helpful to others, I need to write a newsletter. And the newsletter has essentially over the years opened doors for me in the sense that I've been able to get access to people that, yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous from hedge fund managers all the way through to people that I admire. And the fact is, is that if it wasn't for thinking out loud, thinking in public and actually being ballsy enough, yes, I said that evil word, be willing to challenge my own thinking and think out loud in the public. It, it's just, I wouldn't be even able to remotely to have the career that I had. So after... That's true. Yeah, but I think also... Start at the beginning, uh, can I ask, so on the topic of you being an e-commerce expert, what is the state of the e-commerce industry right now? I think I think there's, there's, there's two ways to answer that question. One, so in the developed world, like markets like Europe, North America, China, um, they are seeing regulation, they are seeing... Um, the big Amazon essentially dominating the markets um, and small businesses are feeling intrinsically blocked out of the opportunity because they have to pay large customer acquisition fees um, to pretty much all the big companies to play. Um, so, so, there's, so 2020 in those markets is going to be fascinating in the sense that regulation is coming. Um, I just don't know how it is going to be. The other part of the question, in emerging markets like India, uh, Latin America, Africa, and to a degree Southeast Asia, there's, there's such an abundance of opportunity. People are 
excited that you know they can scale the economy scale their lives uh, you know be able to buy quality products from international brands because they are finally able to do so because business has realized that there's an opportunity in saying that one has to be very clear in the sense that in Africa and in some parts of Latin America and in South and parts of Southeast Asia, e-commerce is really nascent in the sense that, you know, there are growing pains. Um, and the growing pains provide great opportunity, but also it has the potential to kill businesses. And, and we are seeing that um, there's a very large listed company in Africa um, called Jumia at the moment that is really under the bump in the sense that they've just they've gone too too quickly, too big, too fast, and sadly, all of their bad press is now out in the public domain because they're a listed business. And because you are a listed business, or because they're listed on the NYSE in New York. You know, all the bad news now comes out and, you know, people freak out. So, but in saying that, we are also in the midst of, in my opinion, a fascinating year in the sense that economically we are seeing also, you know, companies such as Airbnb, uh, Didi in China, they are close to going public. So we will finally be able to understand what is the impact of the sharing economy, you know, going, you know, staying at a house. We all, we all use, use Airbnb just by the way. We just don't want to admit it. Um, we I all, use it often. <laughs> yes. We, we, it's the same with ride hailing. If you're in China, if you're in Asia or wherever, you open your mobile phone, you hail a car and you go. That's just how the world is for people like us. That's what we've known. We don't go into a yellow taxi. It just doesn't exist. So this year also is essentially the opportunity for the world to finally understand what is the reality. Is Airbnb a good company? I tend to think so. Is Didi in China a massive company? Yes. But is the financials there? Sadly, I think with Uber and Lyft in the US, we are seeing that this the sharing economy is really hard to scale and it's not profitable. Okay. What can South African e-commerce companies learn from their international counterparts? Um, that's a million-dollar question. Um, I think one has to understand that the basics remain vital in the sense that, you know, are you providing enough information to enable people to make a conversion? Um I, I'm honest. I'm fascinated by decision-making. I spend an inordinate amount of time listening to podcasts, listening, reading books about decision-making because I think that's essentially the, the crux of, of commerce. Can you help somebody else that has no ability to use the, uh, the organs, i.e. to listen, to touch, to, to feel, to hear, to see, they only see an image. Can you create the content that essentially helps them make a decision? That for me is number one. So if you look at the really dominant platforms across the world, like the Alibaba's, like the Amazons, they provide customers with all the information that provides them the peace of mind to make a decision. Right. Second thing, these companies provide 
um, a ecosystem that essentially helps them provide customers with peace of mind, whether that is through customer care. I know this is like a topic that gets over and over mentioned, but is the fact that somebody is contacting you with a question, how quick do you answer? Is it is it minutes? Is it hours? Is it days? I'm I'm I've got a very simple uh, uh, idea when I do my own shopping online. You have an hour when since I asked the question to essentially answer what I want to know as a consumer. If you fail, I want to take a lot of this, but yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't talk about South African platforms like that. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a long story, and I also don't want to get in trouble. The point is, is that we have forgotten that retail and e-commerce, is the, it's the same. The same principles apply. When you are in a store, you want to buy stuff. Yes, we all go through stores. Also, another one of the things that we don't want to publicly admit. If you get lost in a store, you ask a staff member, where is XYZ? It's the same with online. If you're not sure about something and it's not clearly communicated, you ask via email, messaging, whatever. Does Can can you make a decision. So that for me is very clear. Third point, and this is the point that I just, I cannot stress enough, is how often do you check your own website to ensure that you're not killing a a conversion? I.e., when somebody is in the checkout, are you offering buttons to take people away from paying for something. I know this sounds really simple, but if I need to tell you in the last three years how much investigation and due diligence I've done and I've seen this mistake, yeah. The the really dominant platforms know that when they are in those conversion moments, there's nothing to take the consumer away. The transactional element, it's there. Fourth point, and this I would hundred percent agree with this. Uh, I was working as digital marketing manager at Vision Act in twenty eighteen. Yeah, and we, I, I pushed for editing the checkout pages quite heavily because there were so many distractions. It's the equivalent if you're going to pay at the counter, and all of a sudden they start telling you, "No, wait, look at this. No, wait, let's do this." You know, kind of distracting you from actually buying, which uh, is the main goal. Mariana, you're being very diplomatic with how you. I always say in a case like that, um, my example that I use for senior leadership is: I'm standing at the the pay point, and suddenly you take the person away, um, and there's a shift change, and I'm waiting for somebody really? to essentially ask me for my my card or my cash. The other thing that I think that's becoming abundantly clear to me is is that we have demonized retail. Um, And by what I mean with that is that online has taken out the emotion of shopping. Um, It's literally put something in a cart, hope that you don't get to contact somebody because something has gone wrong. That for me is a bunch of hogwash. The simple truth is, and I'm a big believer in this, in that, excuse me, commerce is contains retail in stores and e-commerce. How 
do you ensure that you replicate the experience for folks? That is, for me, very important. We are seeing in developed markets that retailers that are only focused on transactions, such as Amazon, are beginning to lose to direct-to-customer startups that offer social contact through customer care and a variety of other things. It's the same that I see with Alibaba in China. It's it's entertainment. There you see people actually sit in groups and shop together on a Friday night online. Can you imagine? Can you can you imagine that happening in South Africa? No. Okay, I have a quick question because slowly we're getting to half an hour. Um, how about do you have some sort of advice or at least one actionable tip? For those running an e-commerce website, something most retailers tend to overlook. Um, when last have you double-checked that your logistics provider is actually delivering the goods to your consumers in the amount of time that they promise? So this is also another thing that drives me. Isn't it part of supply chain, though? Say again? Isn't this part of supply chain, though? No. So I, I view this as part of customer care. Uh, and let me explain. I Well, the logistics of it is part of – my husband works in supply chain, so I know a little bit. <laughs> I, I think some of it is part of supply chain, though. Yeah, but also if I'm paying you millions of rands a month to ensure that you deliver something in two days – I think as the paying customer, I'm allowed to check whether you actually deliver in two days. We're at now at a stage oh. where we are now at a stage where logistics is essentially part of of it. Okay, so that's the one part. The other thing is, when last have you actually checked to see where your traffic is coming from? You know, I find it mind blowing that. We, I see startups that spend no time looking at the analytics. They don't look at Google Analytics, yet they pay Google thousands of rands, dollars, euros, whatever currency you want to put in there. So when last have you actually understood where your traffic is coming from? What are you paying for it? Because sometimes, and wait for this, Mariana, you'll smile at this. I see people paying for free traffic because they aren't aware of the fact that they have a very good search engine ranking for a particular uh, content page or anything. So they will buy an ad, so they will be in position one on the search engine page, but they will still pay for an ad because that's how they feel. Yes, I know that there's this whole discussion where you, you should have ads on every page and wah, wah, wah. But I think we, we're now in an age where due to customer acquisition being super, super expensive. And, and getting really, more and more and more expensive as competition yes, increases. Yeah. And it's not going to change. It's not going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Uh, yes. It's going to get way worse. Um, I worked on a company uh, in 2019. I'll just say that they spend – almost 7x on customer acquisition for certain keywords before they realize that they actually don't have to, to do this because they have a recurring... Ranking organically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, um, 
So there's three tips. Sorry, I know you asked for only for one, but check number one. <laughs> no, check, this is wonderful. Check if your your service partners are delivering. Two, check whether you know where your traffic is coming from, what you're paying for it, and if you don't need to pay for it, please do not give the big guys more cash because the more cash they give you give, the less relevance they are for your hardworking content folks. Essentially, you shouldn't be paying for organic. Never. Agree. Agree with this. Hendrik, you've given us some amazing e-commerce advice and insights. Thank you so much. Now, if people want to reach you for some more, because you run a boutique consultancy in this industry. So the easiest way to reach me is find me on Twitter. Um, I am at Hinlaub. So it's H-E-N-L-A-U-B. All my particulars are on there. Um, I get lots of referrals there. Um, it may seem that it's a bit of a desert, but I, I spend a fair amount of time on there. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Also, you are more than welcome to uh, use LinkedIn, get in touch. Um, just look for my name. Um, I think I'm the only person in the space with the name and surname that I have, so you won't find any duplicates, um, which I've also had to deal with in the last year. But anyway, um, that's the easiest way. Twitter, LinkedIn, um, and then we can take it from there. Yeah, fantastic. Hendrik, thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. If you have an e-commerce website, they must definitely listen to this. Thank you, Hendrik. No problem, Mariana, and thank you for having me. This was really